Hi everybody and welcome to the new episode of Endless Celts. We are delighted to be joined again by Francis. How are you Francis? I'm all good, all good under the current circumstances. Yourself Stephen? I'm fine, pretty much with the same with you on that. Um, we're joined by, today by Declan McConville. Many people may know him from Celtic Fans TV where he's a regular on there and he's been on a Celtic City of Mind recently. How are you Declan? I'm very well, pleasure. Thanks for having me on guys. Uh, I'm delighted to be joining you tonight. No, no worries, man. It's our pleasure. We're thrilled to have you on. We'll move on to our first topic. Now, we've seen during the week that Jesse Morse, the Salzburg manager, came out and said it was an honour to be linked with the Celtic job. Now, over the course of a day, which didn't last too long, he's kind of ruled himself out of that job. Now, we're looking at Marchesia and Eddie Howe. What I want to know from you, Dagnall, I'll throw it to you first. When you heard, first of all, Jesse Morse saying, that he was an honour to be linked with a job. Were you thinking that could be a link to maybe him getting a job in the future? Possibly. Um, I think if you look at these guys, especially Jesse Marsh, obviously involved at RB Salzburg, because they're kind of natural progression that that manager tends to either go to Leipzig or go to, to Bundesliga. If you look at Marco Rose, who's going to be Dortmund manager next season, um, th- there's that progression there. But it was certainly good to see a name like that crop up because it's the kind of route personally I think Celtic need to go down and a modern manager and look out with you know the old favourites that we've maybe we've did previously so it was nice to see that name come up but but when I saw it come up I thought there's no chance in hell we're going to get him Yeah I mean the the way I look at it as well Jesse Marsh that came out and said in an interview I mean he must be looking at the job or at least having an eye on it anyway but a day later to come out and say or what's reported to be said that he's ruled himself out and he wants to be took off the shortlist I mean, Francis, where, where does that leave Celtic? Obviously, we didn't, we don't know if he was up there in terms of, of on the shortlist, which we aren't even aware of ourselves if that's even happening. But wh- where does that leave us? The Kennedy by looks at things. <laughs> what in um, on Mars? I think I don't know if he was maybe. I mean, it's the first name that's really, really properly excited me. Like I was really like what Declan just said. I think we need to be thinking outside the box with a manager, not really Celtic orientated if you like Celtic minded but I just think maybe it was just for the he said I'm linked with the Celtic job I don't know the context of the question when how he was asked it and maybe he's just looking at I want to get to Leipzig or maybe get to the Bundesliga so I'm going to chuck Celtic in there as maybe sort of a wee bargaining tool type thing I don't know Mm. I mean should should a manager be using Sally as a bargaining tool? We had this discussion before. We need to start thinking of ourselves as a stepping stone club. And if you look at the, the rest of the managerial candidates, you have Maresca from Manchester City under 23s. And in my opinion, Eddie Howe's gone. But Declan, what road since Mars has left kind of does rule himself out anyway? What what road is Sally going to go down in your opinion? I think Celtic will now go for the left field option. When Neil Lennon uh, initially left the club, I thought we would probably go for for Eddie Howe, but I think now we'll go for that left field option with, with Enzo Marezka and Fergo Harkin. It just seems to be a kind of a long term plan, you know, bringing a director of football, two guys that have worked with each other. And, you know, he's by no means a mug, yeah. he's not really proven himself as a manager, but he's working with good players. And I wouldn't be surprised to see if he does come up the road, some of his under 23 Manchester City players follow up the road. And as well as that, just added at the mix, Peter Lowell's son works at Manchester City. It's almost as if this is going to be Peter's parting gift because I imagine there's discussion between him and Dominic Mackay to, to appoint the new manager. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Peter Loyal having a hand in that and, and kind of passing it over to, to Dominic Mackay because Dominic's coming from rugby, doesn't really know the game 
too well, so it would make a bit of sense to bring in a guy like Fergal Harkin that knows the market and knows the game well. Yeah, I, I had this discussion last night in, in the, the, our group chat. Me, I, I, it was you that said it on Saturday Saturday Mine, if I'm right, Declan, in terms of the Peter Law's son connection. I didn't even know that myself. But the way I'm looking at it is, is that the right road to go down in terms of not trusting, so to speak, but letting Law, Lawwell kind of railroad Mackay in the decision instead of him bringing in his own experts to kind of review the club, which I think should have happened anyway before this, because we've left it so long and we've touched, up, touched upon it before. The rebuild in the summer is going to be huge. It's going to be massive. There's potential of 18 players are going to leave, leaving Celtic in limbo. And if we're relying on Manchester City under three players coming up, I just don't think that's going to cut the mustard. Francis, what's your opinion on the whole Lowell connection to this? I, I, I honestly, I don't like it, but I, I get it. Like, I would like to think that Dominic Mackay is involved in the decision-making, but if you want to play devil's advocate, Dominic Mackay technically isn't contracted to Celtic now. Uh, Lowell is, so in theory, Lowell should still be making the decision, but obviously you've got to think long-term and beyond that, and you'd like to think that Mackay and Lowell are working together, hopefully, but it's just the decisions Lowell was made recently. You kind of don't want them anywhere near any decisions for Celtic moving forward. But yeah. I, I just I don't know. I, I don't I don't like it if it is Lowell, but I'm not against Maresca coming in with Fergal yeah. Parker. I'm, I'm not against it. I wouldn't get excited, but I'm to, I'm not against it. I'm not against it at all. But the the question that a lot of Sally fans are saying, where's the 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 impetus to go on next season to reach that ambition of taking the league back straight away because as we said before we can't afford two or three years of success do you think the whole Peter Law connection to this Declan is a bit how would you say it shouldn't be happening it should be the the new guy coming in making the full decision getting his own experts in what's your opinion on that well you know I think we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here you know Peter's been at the club for so long. Um, his decision making this season has been woefully bad, but you know he knows the club well, and his experience working with guys, you know that whole connection with Manchester City. He's been obviously playing in the face to see with the amount of players that have came up the road. Uh, as long as it's not just Peter forcing him uh, on Dominic McKay, because Dominic McKay's got a really hard job here, as you say. But we can't go years without success. But as well as that, I think we need to look at more of a long term goal here. And it was really interesting to see Jesse Marsh's comments. In terms of, I think it was talked about vision and what a club's going to have in vision. Now, I know that Celtic's looked at Barryfield as a whole development going on down there. If you think about youth players that have brought through the system, very little to show in the past 10 years or so, apart from your odds and your Kieran Tierney's, Callum McGregor's, James Forrest and Mikey Johnson to an extent. So it needs to be a longer term plan here. And I think that's why Enzo Marezka might be the man to do that and kind of change it. Because if you get the structure right initially here, if one guy jumps out the structure, he's replaced seamlessly and you don't end up in a situation like Brendan Rodgers where a really top manager leaves you after two and a half, three years and you go back to an old favourite who would likely be John Kennedy. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. But one what, one question I want to ask before we move on to the, the you've, you've said the things you've Academy. I'll throw this to you, Francis. Is Maresca, looking back with hindsight, a better appointment than, than Ronnie Dalio was? Now, Ronnie Dalio already won a league and is a native Norway. And Maresca, for all he's he's worked in under twenty three football, he's worked with Pellegrini, but is that just a project appointment with no ambition there? Uh, I suppose you could say it's a project appointment with no ambition. And then Dyla in theory was a better better option than the fact that he had won leagues. But 
you don't you don't go to Man City and you don't work with the guys that Maresca's worked with if if you're a mug. And he has he's a known guy in the in the game. Maybe not his management, but is is well known within the game. But I just I if you come with Fergal Harkin and obviously you'll need like scouts and stuff, you'll need to get that system all in place. It's not just a director of football, then the coach and that's it, it's all going to work. You'll need other other stones in place if you like. But as I've said, I'm not totally against it, but I don't think it's it's maybe not showing ambition to the fans, but long term, like Declan was saying, it probably is probably a good route to go down. Yeah. I mean, the way I'm saying it is <laughs> I don't think Maresca is gonna get the majority of Celtic fans excited. Yes, he's a he's a foreign name, he's a he's worked in Manchester City with Pep Guardiola and stuff. I can see the appeal, but for me, Eddie Howe was the man. He he's been there all season, he's been unemployed. And haven't pulled the trigger on it, and I really I'm struggling to understand why. Because I'm pretty sure his wages wouldn't be astronomical, and I certainly could afford his wages, plain and simple, and get his backroom uh, staff in place. And the, the likes of Jesse Marsh come out and saying that he'd be interested, but he's took himself off the shortlist, as you said, does points to him putting himself in the shop window for a move to Leipzig or uh, Gladbach, them types of clubs in the Bundesliga because he wants to enhance his name. But moving on to the, the youth academy side of things, Dagnan, I'm glad you brought that up. We had a very interesting debate on the Football Insomniac with um, Callum Watt and David. He has his own show now on uh, A Celtic State of Mind, which is fantastic for him. But yeah, it was just about the Celtic Colts in League Two. Now, what I said was I'm a big advocate for the Celtic Youth Academy. I think it's been lost in recent years in terms of tactics, coaching and vision. I don't think there's a clear pathway from, just say, for example, from under-15s, under-16s, all the way up to the first team. Clubs like Ajax and Barcelona, they drill their youth players from under nines right up playing the same way. Is that something, do you think, especially in the transfer market now, that Celtic will need to look at, Declan? I think it most definitely is. And I thought it was really interesting yesterday that you see Luca Connell and uh, Ryan Milling at the Queen's Park. Now, just for a wee bit of background in Queen's Park, so Willie Hockey has a link to Queen's Park. I think he's put a bit of money in there. He's obviously sorted out the situation between Hamden and Lesser mm-hmm. Hamden. So there could be possibly a situation here if Celtic Colts don't get into League Two and it's rejected, that you could end up with a kind of feeder type thing with Queen's Park type of deal with with Willie involved there. I don't know, it's just me putting pieces of a jigsaw together, but I think there needs to be a clear pathway and boys need to play football and it's something that our youth academy is lacking just now. There's no reserve league, they're not getting games and as you said, there's no pathway to, to the first team. Yeah, I mean... It's it's almost like as well. I think the the idea of the Colts in League Two is fantastic. But thanks for bringing that point up about Queens Park. I, I didn't know that myself, but I mean they just turned professional. I think this season, so they're clearly looking to, to do something with their ambition, and also sign the likes of Luca Connell, who has experience in League One in England. So that's a good signing for them. But what I'm more more worried about in terms of us, we bring these guys up like Luca Connell. He, he doesn't get a chance. He played in a few pre season games. They look quite good, but then he's just left to the side for the whole season. He's on the bench one or two times towards the end of it. I think, for me personally, the Celtic Colts need to be stuck together in a league and compete. Now, if that's yeah. a league that's it's cross community with England and Ireland, so be it. And if they can't get in the Colts league, they have to forge away for themselves. Because the developmental side, to me, is just a couple of friendly games here and there whenever clubs can be bothered. And that's just not the way to go with, uh, with the Youth Academy. What would be your advice on Francis for it? I oh, totally agree with what you're just saying. Get just try and get in some sort of league. I, I would say let try and get to a decent level, but for me the level isn't so essential. It's just try and get them playing week in, week out. Gives them that pathway to 
to get into the first team, then you get them playing how the first team plays. So you try and get that seamless link. If they do eventually get the chance in the first team, they know what the first team coach or manager, whoever it is, wants you to play. And if they go into like something like the lower leagues in Scotland, you could you could potentially give the lower lower league teams a wee bit of boost of money in that with attendances because you'll get Celtic fans that will go and watch some youth players because you'll get maybe get a, a game for a fiver or whatever. You might just get a wee cheap game. And Celtic could even maybe include home games and the season ticket, with it being a virtual season ticket now. So it kind of just gives them a wee bit of exposure and stuff and you maybe get a wee bit excited in that about seeing some, some young boys playing and in that every week. Yeah, I mean, as you said, there are the other values very important, especially in the next season, as we're not sure when fans are actually getting back into stadiums, which which is quite sad, really, because we thought this would be all behind us by last year yeah. till now. It's not. And you almost look at it as well. The other value is really important, as in you're paying £600, you're getting a dozy stream that's always two or three minutes behind, and there's really nothing <laughs> else. There's really nothing else to it, to be honest. And if they added the the Colts team, if they get into the League Two system next season, into that, I think that would be brilliant. Because me, for one, Declan, I don't know about yourself, I love seeing youth players coming through. I remember seeing Maloney coming through, Ian McGeady coming through, playing in the reserve league. That didn't do them no harm. Is is that the type of opinion you're of in terms of include it in the season pass if it's possible and if it happens? No, hundred percent. I mean, I used to go down to Capello quite a lot. It was your Celtic kind of. We're playing down there, the development team they used to go down there. So I watched Stephen Wells quite a good bit before they actually broke into the first team, and Mikey Johnson being another one. So I'd, I'd watched them, and there's nothing better than a homegrown boy getting into the team because you know they get the club, they, they get what it's all about. And if you watch them, that you know going from a young boy right into the first team, it's a real you know sense of satisfaction as a fan. But I'd really like to see a Celtic team in League Two, and as you guys rightly point out, I think if that was to happen. Certainly, I don't in the past, or if we're back at games, let season ticket holders into the games for free. You know, you know. I think one of the biggest frustrations this season is just the fans feeling underappreciated, which has been the case. You know, everybody's spent a big bit of money and been treated, quite frankly, by with contempt. So, I think something like that would be really beneficial, and it would attract crowds as well. You know, if you turned up with your season ticket pass, there's Celtic supporters all over Scotland and. You know, whenever Celtic will play, there will be a crowd, as Francis was saying there. So, 100%, get them in there. And if there's a way around getting uh, season ticket holders to the games, go for that as well. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the performances this season, it baffles me how the younger players have, haven't been given the chance. I think Carmel going to Belly is wasted away than nothing at Celtic. And it's no wonder he's wanting to leave, because he's not got a chance. If he went to the legs of Dortmund, you'd probably see him in the first team, because they buy players like Sancho, bring him over, put him in. If he's good enough, he stays in. At Celtic, it doesn't seem to be happening that way. And then, in terms of the season pass, adding that in would be a fantastic idea because any Celtic fan wants to see, as you said, that youth player coming through. We've got that this season. Unfortunately, it was by accident with Stephen Wells. But he's come in and he's looked, he's not looked out of place. And, I mean, if that's the way our youths actually are, give them that chance, bring them in. For I've said it before in podcasts, that from now till the end of the season, Yes, the Glasgow Derby's coming up, but I would just give them the chance anyway because it's almost like this season's kind of dwindled out to nothing. And yeah. what's more better than a bright spark and a youth boy coming through? Do you, do you know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to get at. And I think for I think going forward for Celtic Francis in the transfer market, as we touched upon, it's important. But what would you like to see the Youth Academy do? Would you like to see it get into these leagues, or would you like to see it go down the, go down to so to speak England to play games down there? No, definitely. Definitely get into some sort of leagues up here. 
really like them getting the leagues up here just so so it's playing they're more local and like I say it can fans will it'll be easier for fans to maybe get to games and stuff if they're playing say local but and within Scotland and I just I really think we should be trying to push to try because you feel like as officers me but when a youth player makes it into the first team and kind of gets a start you feel like a wee proud dad and you stick up for that player more you really yeah. you root for that type of player and I always think, regardless of now or whenever, you, you just should always be focusing on your youth. Try to get your youth through, like what Declan's saying, they know the club, they know what it means and stuff, and just just always think it's, you should be focusing on youth. Yeah. And another point to add to it as well, Celtic and the team across the city, they're going to fund it with their prize money from the SPLFL each season, so there's no cost to any club in the League 2 system. If anything, it'll, as you both said, it'll boost attendances, because is. I mean, Celtic fans are everywhere around the world, and if they get a chance to go to a game for a cheap price, they'll be there. No matter if yeah. they have to go on a plane, they'll go. They'll want to watch a, 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 a Celtic youth player coming through, and the new Celtic superstar coming through, like some McGeady or Kieran Tierney. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that you said, the homegrown boys, you do stick up for them more. And if, if you look at it, look at the sport Kieran Tierney still has at Arsenal. You still yeah. think he plays for Celtic half the time. <laughs> when, you see, when you see some of the posts, but We'll, we'll look ahead to the Derby game this weekend, and we found out today that there's going to be no guard, guard of honour. For me, Thank God. I, I don't understand why we've considered it. I can see the whole, yes, be the bigger team, be, show a bit of class, as Brendan Rodgers said, but he got slated for, rightfully so. But, Declan, what's your opinion on the, the Derby game this weekend and the news today that there's no guard of honour? We love Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers' comments was just an English Premier League manager to me. I just thought, <laughs> you know, why, why do you feel the need to have an opinion in this? And it was his Celtic team on the season that he left that went to Ibrox. I was at the game. Um, we lost that day 2-0 and, and they never got a guard of honour we won the league the week before at Pataudry that team never got a guard of honour so yeah. you know as John Kennedy rightly said today the same team never got a guard of honour off Rangers so why should we do it and again the Celtic players if they did stand there and clap them they wouldn't mean to clap them so it's just a waste of time I just think it's complete rubbish just to stir it up in the media as per usual and um, I'm glad we're, we're not doing it yeah, what what's your opinion, Francis? Where do you stand in the the well the guard of honour uh, argument, which is quite rightly put to bed now? I'm I'm glad they've put it to bed. I'm glad they've came out and said what what their stance was. At um, a, a wee small part of me was wanting them to do it just because I thought it would wind up every Rangers fan, every person in the media. I think it would have wound them up if we stood and done it. Personally, would have hated it if we done it. But I'd have a wee bit of me would have loved it if they'd done it because I think it would annoy so many folk. In the wrong, like in the right way, it would annoy them in the right way. And now folk have just got to moan because we're not doing the guard honour. They'll forget about what happened uh, three years ago to Brendan Rogers' team that it never happened. I, but, I really could, I really couldn't give two flam fucks. Excuse my friends, <laughs> if, pe- if people are going to moan because it really irritates me that they get treated like the holy grail in Scottish football when Celtic have just completed the quadruple treble, which has been just swept under the carpet. No one talks yeah. about it now. It's one of the biggest achievements in world football. Let me make that pretty clear. And no one talks about it. This season, we completed it. And it's just been like, ah, that's it. It's, it's done. It's out of the way, guys. And you're like, hold on. Come on the head. Come on the, the fuck here. Like, we've just done the contribution <laughs> travel. They're winning their first league title. And we should bow down and clap them onto the pits. Nah, no chance. But yeah, that's an empty gesture. It yeah. is an empty gesture, 100%. If I was standing there clapping the Rangers player on, I, I would feel physically sick. That's just my opinion. But 
moving on to the actual game itself, Declan, how do you think it will pan out? I think Rangers playing Thursday night in European football um, didn't have a great performance. And, you know, they will be a bit more tired, uh, you know, Thursday, Sunday, recovery time and stuff. Whether Steven Gerrard decides to change his team a bit, I don't think so. So he'll probably be the same regular faces. And again, then just might start to tire in the game. I imagine he'll try and come and play defensively and hit Celtic the counter-attack. But for me, and I think for all is on here, we want to see a Celtic team come out of the traps early and uh, punish Rangers because game at Ibrox, we used to win the game. Before the tending off, we're in control. It's ours to lose, and we did, obviously, with beat one getting sent off. But we need to stand up for ourselves here, put an end to this invincible rubbish. Um, it appears that the St. Mun game and the League Cup just <laughs> went by Scottish media. Put an end to this. Ensure that we've still got a decent, capable team of players there that um, haven't totally bowed down. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the whole invisible thing really gets me gets me going because we done the travel without losing a domestic game. As you rightly pointed out, they got spanked off St Mirren and they're still doing the invincible season. I don't know if that was like in a different dimension, but I'll, I'll go to you, Francis. How, what way are you looking at this game to pan out? If if anything, do you think Sally would just go for it from the start? I hope, like with Declan, I do hope they go for it from the start because I'm hoping Rangers are carrying a wee bit of fatigue from Thursday night. Uh, I've never seen the game, but I'm going to believe it wasn't a great performance. And obviously, the two red cards, maybe morale will be slightly down. But it's generally just the way Celtic are playing and the way Rangers are playing. It generally could be 3 0 either way. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping I'm way off the mark with being 3 0 to Rangers, but they could maybe use Thursday night as a catalyst to say, let's go and show. But I really think. Celtic should come out the track, just go at them, go for go for broke, go straight away and just try and just like Declan saying, just put a put a marker on them and saying this has not been an invincible season. Just prove that it's not been. I mean, like I said, it's not been, but just go and put an exclamation on mark on it and say, No, it definitely isn't. I just I just have a funny feeling that this match is gonna be an absolute kicking match. I can see it. I, I, mm. I know that's that's the wrong way to think, but I think after what happened Rangers on Thursday night, and look, we condemn many sort of racism, we stand together with people who are racially abused, abused. but after what happened on uh, Thursday night, I can just see tempers flaring at anything. I really can. We see, we kind of seen Rangers back to their old selves, just combusting under that pressure. What's your feeling towards the game, Declan, in terms of the attitude towards it? We've seen a lot of government and media press towards it in terms of this game going to go ahead or is it going to be called off? Where did you stand on that argument? I, I think... Um... On the actual game itself, you know, Celtic players have had two weeks here to kind of take stock, sit down and reflect. Um, there was nobody really dropping to their knees or anything at Tanadice without being over. So, you know, they'll have saw the gloating, they'll have saw what happened in George Square. And I hope that they are hurting because we're all hurting as fans, so the players should be hurting just as much. And again, you might be kind of tackling a caged animal and Rangers who have been put out of the Europa League. Um you know, the end of that journey, so they might want to come out and prove again because they've kind of won the league by default. Obviously, with Celtic uh, not winning at Tanaday, said they won the league then, so they've not actually played a game. And the league is champions, and Celtic haven't played a game since then either. So, you yeah. know, it will be interesting, but media coverage wise, I just thought that, uh, you know, if you were going to call this game off, you'd be better just scrapping football for the rest of the season because you've got yeah. two Glasgow derbies, mm-hmm. a cup final. Inevitably, the team on the other side of the city are going to need to lift the league championship as well. So you've got too many big occasions to say that you're going to call this off. The whole lot would have had to be put off. So 
it's right that the game's going ahead. Um, Celtic, by the looks of it, have did the right thing, putting the, the, the fence around the stadium. And I just hope that there, there's no trouble because for the time being, Scotland anyway, looks as if it's on its way out of this and they don't want anything to fault on our progress. But um, on the actual game, it could be quite a cagey affair. But I just hope that Celtic, as a nearly caged animal that's been hurting for the past two weeks and, you know, what to prove themselves. Yeah, I mean... For me, they should be hurting from the way back in the European when we got put out by Furnace mm. Faros. That's, that's how far back they should have been hurting. I think it's a it's a disgrace how, how, how we always say to ourselves, two weeks or one week on the training ground with John Kelly or Neil Lennon, whoever it was at the time, is going to improve the team. But they get on the pitch mm. and just show the exact same crap that they've given us all season. But look, look, looking ahead to the lineup predictions, Dagnan, I'll go to you first. What have you gone for in your team? Any interesting decisions? I think it'll probably be much the same at up front, I think you might go with probably a Yeti and Edward up front. Um, I would play Sorrow, but I still imagine he'll play Scott Brown in there too. And I think the kind of the back four will pick itself. So I think that you won't see many changes to the team. Whether yeah, that two weeks in the training ground will have made any difference, I don't know. But if you think about the chances we got at Tanadays, yes, second half was absolutely woeful performance-wise, but. If you get if you create the chances like you do at Tanadice and you have somebody that's so informed for the day, there's no reason why you can't go and win the game. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, as I said before, coming to the end of the season, it's almost like you're looking at the teams and you're going, yeah, we'll play that team. But it's the same thing constantly. You go into the game, you want us to win. We'll start well the first 30 minutes. We'll have a couple of shots. We'll pass the ball side to side. Second half, we kind of just fall dead on our arse. Mm. I don't know why that always happens, but Francis, what, what's your lineup prediction? I, th- I honestly think it'll be much, much the same as well. Like, let's like say back four picks itself now. Like Declan said, I want Sorrow in, but I think just Kennedy, maybe I don't know if he's got a chance to the job, but he might just go with the tried and trusted and Brown. I've actually think uh, El Yunusi might play up top way Edward. I think he'll still go with the diamond, but then if El is playing, it gives you that chance to maybe, if you're losing the midfield battle or whatever, you need a wee bit of width, it lets him go out wide and maybe play Eddie up front. So it's you've got the opportunity to change the tactics and formation within the game without actually making a substitution. So I think, it, unfortunately, I think he'll go with the diamond again. Hmm. I've gone Barkas, Kenny, Welsh, Ayer, Taylor as my back four. Brian McGregor sitting, Christie coming off the right, Turnbull in the, the number 10 position. Moy coming off the left and Eddie up front. I just think we're missing the width. And I, and I know Christie's not a, a wide midfield player, but just get someone out there to test the fullbacks and whip some balls in. That's what we're, we're desperately, desperately lacking. You see too much of our players coming in field. Everyone's coming to feet. We want the ball to feet. No one's making runs in behind. And it's just almost the setback. Hit us on the counter. And as Declan rightly said, usually that, that's where a goal results from or a set piece. On the scoreboard, Dixon Stacklin, I'm interested to hear your one. What have you gone for? I'm going to go 2 on Celtic. Um, I would always say my team in a derby game, but it will be tight. I do think you know we're still dodgy at the back, but as I say, we, we created lots of chances at Tannadice, and I just hope that somebody's on form and wants to tuck away those chances. So 2 1 Celtic. Yeah, and yourself, Francis? I've I've went for the exact same scoreline. Just I'm trying to be positive and think we're going to get a result, but at the same time, I can't. I was initially got to try and give us two nothing, but I think the way the defence set plays, I can't see us not conceding. So you're going two one as well, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went two one as well. Yeah. We've got a hat trick here, boys. I've gone two one. 
Let's get it on as a bet. <laughs> I've, I've had that read down early early doors. Thanks, Weston. That's not just me copying you. Don't worry about that. So, yeah, guys, we're going to move on to the quiz. Okay, now this, this, this causes a bit of controversy with every guest we have on, Declan. So I hope you've done your preparation. Hope you've read the Celtic history books. Are you ready to get started? Right, I'll bang one out. So first to five or first to three, whatever it works out at the time. And which year did Celtic win the European Cup? 1967. Oh well, I said to Cali, he said the right year, but I just said six to seven. Well, give us a technique. Who scored a hat trick in the CIS Cup final against Comarnik in two thousand and one? Larson. Oh my Jesus! Oh. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> And we'll go to what was the score in the away leg when Celtic played Celtic Vigo in the third round of the FA Cup run? One nil. No. No. It was 2-1. It was 2-1. Yes, 2-1. Oh, he's back in. He's back in. No, whoa, whoa. Yes, yes, 2-1. Yeah, just making sure I got that right myself. John Hartson was given the Celtic debut as a substitute against which side? Dundee United? Nope. Backing over to you. He scored his first goal against. I'm not sure. Fantastic pitch. Livingston? No, one more crack at it, boys. Kelly. Kelly. Yes, who said that, Francis? Francis, yeah. Francis was first. Oh, oh, something oh, Which English Premier League team did Celtic defeat in the second round of the UEFA Cup run? Blackburn. Blackburn. Oh, Francis got it, Daggy. <laughs> Francis, you put that out in the bag, man. Oh, oh. I'm not I'm sure. the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're sweating there. I was a tough oh. one, boys. I, I was. That was well contested. But guys, that's us to the end of our, our segment on this show. Um, Francis, thanks for coming back on. And Declan, what a fantastic fantastic guest you were. We're thrilled to have you on and we appreciate you said yes to come on. I thought you added some insight to Celtic Football Club. You told me some things about the connection with Peter, Peter Owl's son that I didn't really know about myself. So thank you for getting into that with us, Declan. Well, pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. No worries at all. Hope to have you back on in the future, Declan. It was yep. a pleasure. I look and forward the to that. And in the meantime, everyone, until we speak again, which will be pretty soon because we're going to move on to our Glasgow Derby extravaganza in the next couple of minutes. But hail, hail and stay safe.